Awesome. How are we doing this morning? Good, 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 good. If you have your Bibles, grab those. It'll be on the screen, um, but if you don't have a Bible, like I said, it'll be there. Um, but if you have it, we're going to be in John chapter 3, uh, verse 16. John 3, uh, 16 is where we'll uh, be. And so, um, for me, this week, I uh, really just was praying and kind of just like seeking the Lord and just trying to figure out, okay, what would God want to say? And uh, in the midst of that, I know kind of last week I'd mentioned, hey, we're going to look at John three sixteen. Um, and in doing that, um, this week as I began to pray Monday and kind of look through and figure out and see what God would want to do and say, um, and I don't know how you interact with God, but I, just, I mean, I just have a conversation with them, you know? Like, I just tell them, I'm like, God, I, like, I just don't know about this. Um, and and I, I don't, he, I haven't heard his voice, but I kind of like just like feel things, I guess. And it's just like, oh, well, what do you mean you don't know about this? I said, I don't, John, I mean, I know, like, John 3.16, I know about, yes, I'm not, I, that, that's a great verse, right? Um, but, I, honestly, like, we, God, I just don't know if, I mean, like, John 3.16, like, that verse, if that's where we need to be and kind of uh, walk through it a little bit and look at it. I mean, everybody knows it. Everybody can quote it. It's, it's on coffee mugs, t-shirts. I mean, um, the, the most well-searched scripture there, the well-known, memorized scripture. I just, ah, I got to. I just don't, I don't, I gotta think maybe you missed it on this one. Maybe we need to go somewhere else. Um, and I just love how he entertains me um, in that. And so he's like, oh, okay, okay, Scott. Um, um, so in the midst of kind of praying through and letting God know that I think maybe he's kind of missed this one, um, that maybe we should kind of circle back to something else, look at something else, um, he decides on um, uh, Tuesday evening, uh, I'm taking my two oldest to uh, like golf practice stuff, and um, uh, my youngest, he is uh, nine months, he, he's, he's been a little sick, a little cough, right? I mean, we're... we're allergies and all that stuff's going around right now. So in the midst of that, um, uh, the babysitter, she kind of calls and says, uh, I don't think there's something quite right. And I'm like, I'll just shoot him up again with some ibuprofen. He'll be fine. Um, and so she sends us a video and it's like, a, oh dear Lord, maybe ibuprofen won't fix that. Um, so we call, my wife gets him in into the, to the pediatrician there and I'm doing like the golf thing with my, my boys, letting them do the practice stuff. Um, and then after we get finished, um, uh, my wife, I call her, and she's like, well, we're still here. I'm like, okay. She's like, they've kind of dropped hospital on us a little bit. I said, what? I mean, just give that kid a shot and send him home. I mean, 2021, man, that's what you, you don't need a hospital. And so, so that whole thing happens like that, and I get the boys home, get them settled, and then I get the call after it's over. She's like, we're going to the hospital. I'm like, ah, oh. like, do we have to? Um, She's like, yes, Scott, we've got to. And so I'm like, okay. So I get the, they get the two oldest kind of settled and put in places and stuff like that. And I'm getting ready. And, and I finally get down there. And as I'm down there, it, what had happened was he'd had like a little cold that turned into um, the croup. And the croup put him in the hospital. Um, and, and so, um, and, and just sitting there that night, Tuesday night, like, like watching like him. And Meredith had him in, his, in her arms, kind of just loving on him a little bit. And he's doing better. He um, had the breathing treatments and all those type of things. And they're uh, getting on it. And he's doing really good at that, in that moment moment comparatively. Um, I'm sitting there and kind of between them and thinking about this coming week and uh, watching some TV like I'm a golf guy so I've got golf channel on just kind of in the background playing and, and God and I are kind of still continuing that conversation that we started Monday um, and uh, so I get there and all of a sudden I look up at the TV and there's a dude uh, in the background as they're getting ready to tee off like this going like this and on his shirt it says John 3:16. And in that moment, I'm like, God, you didn't have to put us in the hospital to get me to that point. I mean, there's, I mean, you could have sent an email. 
Um, and so I'm like, oh, okay, I, I got it, I, I get you. And so we're, we're sitting there. And, and, like, and I, I, I promise, there's like 10 other times he shows up on the TV. And I'm like, and now God's just rubbing it in my face. I'm like, all right, you win. I mean, you always win, but you win. Um, and so, but no, the little guy got to come home. We come home Wednesday morning about 10 and just, like I said, some croup type stuff. And so do, doing really, really well, breathing much, much better. Just got a little cough that kind of has followed him with that. But um, just in the midst of looking at that, just, just looking at, at John 3.16, like, like I said, it's a verse that, that you've probably got memorized. I mean, you can turn to it. You know where it's at. You, you, you probably know it by heart. But just because you know where it's at, you're familiar with it and you know it by heart, does it does that mean that you really understand it? Or have you allowed the reality and the truth in that scripture to just grip you to the point of complete abandonment of yourself? Utter love and desperation all the more for our God. And so, so what we're going to do over the next few weeks is we're just going to walk through this verse, this beautiful verse and the verses to follow. And I just want to, I just want to break it down. I want to look at the, uh, the beautiful truth that's just packed away in that verse. And then after we finish 3.16, I want to continue on because I believe that as beautiful as John 3.16, the following verses are equally as amazing, equally as beautiful, packed with, with truth the, from the heart of our God. And so we're not going to stop at 16, we're going to continue on, uh, but this morning we're going to look at John uh, 3.16, and I'm going to ask you if you join me as we pray, and then we'll jump into John 3.16 here in just a moment. Father, we, uh, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for this opportunity to gather in this place, oh God, and sing praises to you. How true, how true of what we sung this morning. Because as we reflect back and we think on who you are and what you've done for us, God, this love that you have lavished upon us in your son Jesus, we are thankful. And so Father, I just want to say I'm sorry for sidestepping or trying to overlook or try to go on to something else this week. God, 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 yes to this. Yes to the realities in this verse. God, may, may they grip us this morning. May they hit us like they have never hit us before. God, do a work in this place, I beg of you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So to get us to John 3.16, what happens before that is it's just in response to a conversation with a Pharisee man named uh, Nicodemus. And so he comes to Jesus at night and he has this conversation with Jesus. And as he's conversing, uh, he, he tells Jesus that he has to be from God because of all the stuff that he's done. I mean, Jesus at this point has done some pretty amazing things. And Nicodemus uh, was aware of that. And then uh, Jesus, in response to that, says, hey, Nicodemus, but you must be born again. Which just confuses the mess out of Nicodemus. And so Nicodemus, with that statement, goes to the uh, anatomy side of things. And he's kind of like, like but, but Lord, how, how, do I, how do I go back into my mother's womb? And that's not at all what Jesus was talking about. He was talking about a, a second birth, but not that kind of second birth. He was talking about a, a birth of the heart, a birth of the spirit, awakening to the reality of who, who God is, who Jesus is, and what he's come to accomplish and do. It's a spiritual birth is what it is. And so Jesus just calls him out in that moment. And, and he says, how in the world can you be a teacher of Israel and not understand these things? How can you be teaching the people, not even know yourself? And then Jesus, what he does is says what we know to be the most well-known Bible verse of all time. And he looks at him and he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. 
And so what I want to do this morning is I want to look, I want to look in this verse, and I want to cover just the very beginning. We're going to look at three words, highlight three words this morning as we begin to venture through this beautiful verse. We're going to look at God, we're going to look at so loved, and we're going to look at the world, and that's it. That's all the time that we'll have this morning in this place. And so let's start. John 3.16, right out of the gate, Jesus says, for God. And I want to spend some time here and talk about, about God. So as Jesus says for God, there's no other reason to think that Jesus means any other God than the God of the Old Testament. No other God. He, he is the all-powerful creator and sustainer of the universe. That's who he's talking about. Because see, in this day, this day they worshiped many gods. In this day, they bowed their heart down to, to many different little G gods, much like in our day, Right? We bow our hearts down, we long for, we yearn for, we want, we run after all kinds of little gods thinking that they will fulfill us, thinking that they will bring us joy, thinking that they will do something for us, when in all reality, the only one that can sustain us and complete us and make us and do anything in us is the one and only true living God. And so where Jesus goes at the very beginning is that reality. He goes that direction the all-powerful creator and sustainer of the universe. See, God is personal. He's not just a mere force, meaning he thinks, he feels, he wills, he loves, he hates. He is personal, he is moral, and, and that he deals with us in terms of right and wrong, good and bad. He is righteous and only does what is right. That's who Jesus is talking about. The one and only true living God. The one and only true living God. A.W. Tozer, this great theologian, once said this, made this statement. He says, uh, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. He says, what comes into our minds when, when we think about God, that is the most important thing about us. And I'll even take it a step further. What, what you think about and what you allow uh, shape and mold you in reality to what you think about God and how you live that out, act upon that is, is equally as important. But, but how you think about him, what, what comes to mind when you, when, when you think about God? So, so what floods your mind when we sing songs about God? When I mention God. When we spend time praying to our God. What does that do in you? What does that stir in your heart? What kind of affections come up? Because there's certain people in my life, whenever that name is mentioned, I mean, something just happens internally. There are certain things in my life when it's brought up, there's just something that happens internally in me. It can get me geeked up, it can get me excited, it can change my whole mood altogether. I mean, it just does something to me. And my hope and my desire for us, for me, is that that's what happens when we think about God. When we mention or we sing to or we, or we make much of any time, that, that, I mean, that there is just this love and this, just this thing that happens within us that wells up that cannot be contained. It just cannot. That our whole countenance changes when we start to think about God. When we start to talk about God. That our whole being is affected. It's affected. Much like a husband and wife early on in the marriage, right? Like the honeymoon stage. You know what I'm talking about. I mean, they just got that glow, don't they? Oh, that'll wear off. Give them three months. And that, no. My fear is the same thing happens to us with God. That he rescues and redeems and saves us. 
We're all geeked up about it and excited until some criticism comes or until some difficulties comes or until something doesn't work out like we think it should work out or, or when, when struggles or hardships or those type of things come. But, but my hope for us is that we move past that surface level type stuff. I don't want God for what he can do for me here now. I want God for what he's done for me through Jesus. And that's what should stir us. That's what should uh, uh, give us those affections and desires that are unmatched by anything. So what do you think about when you think about God? And so I just want to make sure, and, I, and we could, church, like we could talk for days. I mean, I mean heck with doing a John 3.16 little, little thing here. I mean, we, we could talk the rest of the year about God. We could go to the Old Testament and look at him in the Old Testament. We could look at him in the New Testament. We could see him weaved uh, throughout the book of Psalms and Proverbs. I mean, we could just, we could just spend the, the remainder of our days looking at the attributes, the character and nature of our God. And so what I've done is I've just highlighted a few, and I just want, I just want to look at a couple that just, I hope, I hope overwhelm us in a way that, that draws us to him, that, that causes us to fall more and more in love with him. Like this, like, you know God is holy, Right? So this God that Jesus is talking about, for God, God is holy. And that's a word that I don't think we quite understand, we quite grasp or realize, but it's, but it's absolutely separate from evil. It's like nothing we've ever known. See, the holiness of God, it does two things. It, it inspires both fear and awe. That's what it does. I mean, because he is perfect. He is complete. He, he, is, he is right and good. He, he is holy like nothing we've ever known or experienced. I mean, and you see this all throughout the scriptures. Whenever, whenever somebody uh, comes in contact with something that's holy, well, what's their natural response? Boom, face down. I mean, that's their natural response. That's how they respond to the holiness of God. Why? Because there's some like, oh my gosh, what's happening? Boom. I mean, there is fear in, in this being, in this person that he could, I mean, he, he could do whatever and he would be right and justified. And he's like, nothing I've ever seen or known or experienced. And in that, it, it, it draws us and entices us and it, and it, and it, it brings about a, a good, right fear in who God is. I mean, I, mean, I just constantly, I, I think the, the verse I always like to go to in the scripture, like I just love Isaiah. Isaiah 6, as he's there in this, uh, the temple, and as, as he's, he's brought into the presence of God, and it, and it just gives this description of God. His train fills the robe. I mean, there's, there's angels flying around. Holy, holy, holy. I mean, it, it's just an amazing thing. And what is Isaiah's response? Boom, face down. Well, this three, four weeks ago when we talked about Easter, when we looked at Easter, and Mary uh, arrives there at the tomb, and an angel shows up. What does she do? Boom, face down. I mean, you see this response over and over and over in Scripture because there's just something about holiness. There is just something about holiness that, that inspires fear and awe. So God is absolutely holy. And it's only through His work that we can come into right relationship with Him, that we can enter into His presence. And so we're made holy. How? By the sanctifying work of our lives with Jesus and what He's done. And see, that's, that's what's so beautiful about a relationship with Jesus, is what happens to us. What Jesus was telling Nicodemus that would take place in him, we get the holiness of God. We are made right. We are justified, declared righteous. So when God looks at us, messed up as we are, what he sees is his son, 
pure and holy. That's what's so beautiful about her relationship with Christ. Another attribute that I just, I just love to look at, and I just like it, just can make your mind hurt these next three, but just the omniscience of God. That, that He knows all things. He is all knowing, perfect knowledge of all things, past, present, and future, everything that could actually happen, or even the potential of what could happen. God is aware and knows all things. All things. And like He's so much better than Siri. Hey, Siri, uh, what is the, and you throw out something. And she tells you. God kicks Siri's tail, you know what I'm saying? Like, God wins every round of Jeopardy. I mean, how do you win Jeopardy? I mean, who knows that stuff? I'm a Will of Fortune guy. I'll spin the wheel and I can guess some letters. But that, I mean, but, 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 but God is all-knowing of everything. And you can see it in the Scriptures kind of come out in Jesus a little bit, can't you? I mean, just think about it. Even in the presence of Jesus, you've got guys thinking stuff and Jesus responds to their thoughts. I mean, how crazy is that? I mean, is that not nuts? You've got guys that are just, they're near Jesus and they're kind of thinking, they're saying, well, if he knew what was inside of him, then he would. And he responds to their thoughts. I mean, blows my mind. Why? Because he knows all things. He is aware of all things, the omniscience of God. That's who Jesus is talking about. But what about this, the omnipotence of God? It just simply means this, that God is all-powerful. That God is able to do what he wills. God is all-powerful. I mean, I mean, think about that. Like with little boys, like we have that conversation quite, quite often. Like, like, who's stronger? Superman or Spider-Man? What's stronger? What's bigger? That building or the bridge? I don't work in concrete. I don't know. I mean, the, the stuff of it, the physics. I'm a pastor, dude. God's bigger than all that. That's always my, like, trump card. Like, that's how I win the arguments. Yeah, but, but God's bigger than that. Oh, and you just... You're right, Dad. Hey, but, but think about it. As powerful as the most powerful thing that you can think about. Like all the crazy nuclear stuff out there, all the, uh, the, the, the pandemic we just went through, how it just, how, how it just ravishes. I mean, all of those times. I mean, just, just think about the stuff out there and how powerful things are. And, and that's nothing compared to God. I mean, He's all powerful. All powerful. And then this one, I, I, love, I, I love this one and hate this one at the same time. And, and you, you'll know why here in a second. It's his omnipresence. I mean, I love it because I know that he'll, he's everywhere. And he's with me in the midst of whatever. But then I also know that whenever I do stuff I shouldn't do, that he's right there in the middle of it too. And my fear is that we don't, we don't think of it that way. We don't look at it in that regards. Like, like have, you, have you ever had somebody say that to you? Would you have said that if your mother was here? Well, you know I wouldn't because she'd beat my tail. Maybe that's the way we should start looking at God. Would you have done that if God was here? Like in youth ministry, the joke was always, you be sure and leave room for the Holy Spirit. You hear me? You dating somebody, you leave room for that Holy Spirit. What does that even mean? I mean how big is the Holy Spirit? He's massive. I mean, I mean but, but, but he's everywhere at all times. And thank God that he is. So whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing... Whatever's happening in your life, he's right in the middle of it. It might seem like he's heartless in that, but he's not. He's there to hold you and to walk with you and to, uh, to care for you. Like I was talking to a friend this week, and as I was talking to, uh, to the friend this week, um, he had made a comment about how, man, they're in a mess, of, a mess of some stuff. And I'm like, what's that? And he said, uh, well, my wife's nephew was supposed to get married um, uh, this Saturday, yesterday. 
And I'm talking to him Thursday. And he said last night, like the wedding party, they all went out for like their last night out and they're out playing paintball. And, and the young man's out there and they're playing paintball and they're in their thing and all of a sudden he collapses. 21 years old, getting married Saturday. He dies. Oh. I don't have words for that. I'm sorry and I cry with him and I pray. That's all I know to do. And the remainder of this weekend, just, just calling him and praying for him and just send him a text, say, praying for you, anything I can. I mean, I, I, can't, I, I can't even fathom what that would be like. 20, 21, but what I do know is this is that God's in the middle of it. And he's going to walk with them through it and he's going to hug them and love them. And you don't know how crazy and goofy it sounds in that moment to pray a prayer of comfort over that family. But knowing good and well that God can bring comfort even in the midst of horrific pain. That, that somehow, some way, that he's omnipresent. And another characteristic of God is his immutability, meaning he doesn't change. Man, isn't that good? Thank God, isn't that a great thing about our God? That he doesn't change. He doesn't waver. He doesn't, ah, oh, I don't want to do that anymore. Let's go this way. No, no, no. It's not like playing a game with my kids, right? Because you play a game with kids, what happens is the rules are constantly changing. I mean, even if it's like written, real written rules. I mean, dude, this is a board game that says you do one through ten. This is the rules, dude. Uh uh-uh, dad, uh uh-uh. No, we play my way. You can't even read. How can you have a way? God doesn't do that. God, God is the same yesterday, today, forevermore. And that's what I love. Like, like we, we kind of get into this weird little place and we kind of uh, think about it like this. Like the God of the Old Testament is just kind of the cranky God, mean God, just have to get everybody. Like he's a jerk God. And then we kind of get to the New Testament, we get Jesus. And so uh, finally he gets some flesh and blood on him. And he kind of uh, can relate to us a little bit better. And he's a little bit nicer, a little bit sweeter, kind of a little more tolerant, so we would think, until he flips tables and goes crazy on people and tells them the truth about themselves. And the reality is this. God of the Old Testament is God of the New Testament. It's God of today. He doesn't change his rules, his expectation, his standard for us, the way of salvation. None of that stuff changes. I mean, it's, it's consistent and it's right and it's there and the bar doesn't move. I mean, is that not great news for us? Because if you got saved in 83, man, chances are it could have changed by now and you might have to do something else and it didn't count. No, it doesn't work like that. Because what Christ accomplished on the cross, that's the way of salvation. That's it. It's by faith alone in Christ alone. There's nothing else you have to do. There's nothing else, this in, this application, and we'll check it. No, none of that stuff. It's faith alone in Christ alone. And the great news, too, is this. Even in 2021, his standards of holiness are still the same. The expectations that he had for his people that day, he has for us today, it's the same. We don't have to guess. We don't have to hope. We don't have to try to figure out. We can know without a shadow of a doubt, without a shadow of a doubt, who God is, what He expects, what He calls of us. So God, just again, I, I, we could go all day. We could talk for years upon years about the nature and character of our God. But that's who Jesus is talking about there. Four God, for God, this God, for God so loved. That's the next thing we're going to look at is his love. For God so loved. And it's not just love, but it's, it's so loved. He emphasizes the intensity of this greatness of his love. 
Oh, I mean, think about that. Everything is on purpose and everything is intentional with him. He's unchanging and he, he knows the beginning from the end. And so he knew what he was going to do. And so, so, so he so loves us. And the thing about this love is I think that it's impossible for us to fully grasp and understand what this love means. I just don't think we get it. I know I don't get it fully. See, this is God's voluntary love that he on his own free and uninfluenced choice gives. This kind of love he gives freely and spontaneously for the benefit of another, even if that person is not worthy of such an act. I mean, think about it like that. I mean, who's, who's handing that kind of love out? Right? That, that kind of love is foreign to us. I mean, our culture and our world has done what? It's, it's hijacked love, the meaning of it. Uh, living it out, walking it out, showing uh, what it means. See, in our world, uh, the way that it defines love is in such a way that, that what can you do for me? Uh, what do I get out of it? How can I benefit from this? What do I get in return? That's the way our world defines love. It's very selfish and me-centered. Like, what, what can I have from it? What can you do for me? How can I benefit? How can I get ahead? So this love that Jesus talks about here is the kind of love that carries with it an act of commitment regardless. For God so loved the world. So loved the world. And, and later next week, we're, we're going to see the act that, that just cements that all the more. That, that he's committed to this love regardless of our response. Regardless of what the world thinks. I mean, think about that for a moment. How many of you would extend love, grace, and mercy to those who spit in your face? Uh, those who pluck your beard, uh, those who beat you and mock you and make fun of you, those who unfriend you on Facebook, those who don't invite you to something, those who, who uh, behind your back do stuff, those who take stuff from you, those who uh, get all glory and honor for themselves. I mean, who, who would show love to somebody like that? Our God does. That's the kind of love that he's talking about. That's what he means. That's what he speaks of here. What can you do for me? What do I get out of it? This kind of love, full commitment regardless. And this love takes it even a step further to the point of where it's willing to lay down one's life for the betterment of that other. No greater love than this is what Jesus says himself, right? That a man lay down his life. And then what does he say? He says, by the way, I'm going to do that for you. That's the kind of love that Jesus calls for us, his followers, that's God the Father, his heart, his desire for us. That's the kind of love he lavishes on us. And like I said, we're going to look more next week in depth at that, what that looks like, what that means, that commitment that he's given to us. But this verse, this verse, what's that mean today? That he loves us and desires relationship with, so, with us so much so that he gives his son, that he sacrifices his son. And look at where he puts that love, where he chooses to place that love. And this, this is what wrecks me often as I just think about this and as we, as we sing of that great love this morning and as we're reminded, I mean, I just, I just can't get over this. I mean, I just, I just this, is, this is a huge deal. Look, where does he place that love? For God so loved what? He loved the world. That's what God loves. 
the world. What is that? God the Father, the creator of the universe, chooses to put his love toward the world. That, that's me. That's you. That's us. And hear me, we've done absolutely nothing to merit it. Nothing. It's not like God and the Holy Spirit in heaven are having this conversation. They're like, oh, Eric, you would be really good on my team. And like they're conversing back and forth. Man, if we just get that guy to play guitar for us. You know what I'm saying? Man, God, imagine, yes, Holy Spirit. Man, that would be, oh, that'd be good, wouldn't it? No, there's nothing in him. If we could just get somebody, if we just get that person on my team, oh, man, Jesus comes up in the midst. Yeah, God, if we get that, that, if we get him. Man, can you imagine what? No, there's none of that. None of that. It's unmerited, not deserved. He puts it toward us, the world. What is the world here? The world is just fallen, sinful mankind. Fallen and sinful mankind. That's what the world is. I think some of the problem with us as followers of Jesus, like I said, kind of the, the luster of it or the amazement or the awe of it kind of wears off. And, and we forget whereby Jesus found us. That's some of the problem. Is, is that we forget what he's done. I mean, think about it for a moment. Uh, just think on what God gets. Not, a, not us at our best, but what at our worst. See, Matthew 5, 3 says it like this. He says, blessed are what? The poor in spirit. So the picture that Jesus is painting on the Sermon on the Mount is this. Is, is that he gets us as the beggar and the bum on the side of the road that is in desperate need and has nowhere to turn to, nowhere to go, unless someone steps in and intervenes. That's the picture of our state. That's where everyone who's come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that's the only way that you've come. And there's nothing good in you that merits it. There's nothing good in you that would, would have him want to come after you and desire and want. There's none of that. It's, it's unmerited. Nothing that we've done to earn it or deserve it. We're the beggar bums on the side of the street in desperate need. Uh, the illustration that I give is this. Is, is we're the busted up, broke down car in the junkyard with three wheels and no engine. Why would you ever go shop? And it's not like even like a cool like 60-something. I'm not a car guy, so I can't throw out something cool there. I would have. Dang it. I don't know if 60-something is a good thing. I think I see your dad driving around in that cool little car. I mean, that's sweet. But, but it's not like he, like, even goes shopping for Avengers. Like, I, like okay, my first car was, like, a, an old, Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme. Like, he, goes, he goes and he gets the 93 Cutlass Supreme. I thought I had a sweet spoiler on the back. It was four-door. Like, oh, dude, there's a ton of room in that. Thing as a parent, you're like, like the things change. Like I might just do a van if I need to. Get to that point. If you're a van person, God bless you. Um, but it's not like he comes after like the sweet, like broken down car that we can re we can restore this thing and make something out of it. No, 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 no. He, he comes for the '93 Cutlass Supreme with the big gash down the side, the engine's missing, the three wheels. That's it. You can't, you can't even buy parts for it anymore because <laughs> it's not that cool of a car. Never was. That's what he goes after, and that's what he rescues, and he gets, and he restores, and he makes new. And that's, the, that's where he got us, the junkyard, the beggar on the side of the road. And I think what makes this story all the more beautiful is in him doing that and coming for us, 
getting the bum on the side of the street that can offer nothing or do nothing. We bring nothing to the table. Absolutely nothing. So that means repayment is never possible. That's why we walk in and we cling to and we remain desperate. We remain hungry. We want to go deeper. We want to know more. We want to be changed all the more. That's what's so beautiful about this story. That's us. We can never repay. Never repay. And I thank God for whatever reason he decides to love the bomb and the beggar. And he awakens in us this reality of our great need for him. That's what happens. You, you can't do it on your own. And you know you can't do it on your own. You know, I mean, I mean, just this past year you know that. You know how weak and feeble we are. How broke down and janky we can get. I, I mean, we, we know those things. We're reminded of it often. This world is in disarray. I mean, have you watched the news this week? God, help us. Oh, God, rescue us. God, please move and intervene. Help us be bold enough and help us be brave enough and help us live out and do what you've called us to be and do. I mean, I mean this, this world is falling apart. And, and we were told that it's going to. But church, we get to be the light. We get to bring the light. We get to introduce. We get to live out and show them from what God rescued and redeemed us from. I mean, Janky, I mean, I'm, I'm a West Virginia dude, for goodness sakes. Uh, nothing to offer him. I don't speak another language. I'm not very fast. I'm very not quick-witted. I'm quick-witted three days later, which does nothing for you in the moment of that argument. I mean, I, 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 mean, I had a 1.7 GPA my first year of college. Not the smartest, brightest bulb in the box, and nobody say anything. Nothing to offer. And for whatever reason, but, but, but see, that's the good news of the gospel. And when you land at that place and you realize that place, what God can take and make out of that, though, because it's not me doing it anymore. It's Him. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in me. It's me submitting and being directed and led by. It's that love shaping and molding me. It's me showing that. I mean, what God can do in that. We can't repay. We, the world is who God went after. He lavishes that on the beggar. And so this is as far as I want to venture this morning. This is as far as I want us to go. And I just want us to think about that. I want us to meditate on that for a moment. Marvel at those three realities to the start of one of the greatest, well-known, most memorized, spoken verse ever. Think about that for a second. And the question that I would ask you is this. What has God stirred in your heart this morning as a result of that reality? As the result of, of God the all-powerful. God the creator. God the sustainer. God the Father. God holy and just and right. God unchanging and unswerving. God in absolute complete control of all things at all times. What is that stirred in your heart? What do you think about when you think about God? How does that affect you? What does that do to you? What does that stir up in you? What happens in your soul? What do you do with that? What has He stirred in your heart this morning about that love? What, what, does, that, what does that do when you, when you think? Of, I mean, think about that for a moment. You're loved. I don't care what the world's told you. I don't care what a parent's told you. I don't care what a spouse has ever said to you or a grandma or, or a teacher. 
I, 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 don't, I don't care what the most negative person in your life has ever told you because what I know is, this, is, that, is that you're loved enough to die for. And so I don't know if you just need to hear that this morning, but what, what happens in your soul when you think about that love? I mean, to think that someone would die for you. Someone would die for me. And it wasn't just like kind of like, okay, uh, what could I give up for them? Gosh. Red guitar, black guitar, red guitar. No, 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 no. I mean, the value of that's nothing compared to the value of what God has given. I mean, think about that for a moment. I mean, the love that has been lavished in that, you're wanted by the God of the universe. And in that, he extends that invitation of you to, to enter into a relationship with, to enter in through that love by faith. So maybe, just maybe for the first time this morning, you just needed to hear that. And maybe for the first time this morning, you heard that. And just so maybe for the first time this morning, you heard that in a different way, in a way that, that of, of God wooing and drawing and saying, yes, you are loved as messed up and jacked up and broken, and I don't want you to go try to fix it and then come back. I mean, how, how crazy is that mentality? Like, we'll go to the doctor once we get well. No, you go to the doctor, why? Because you're sick and you can't. Uh, you're desperate. This week we were desperate. Our, our, our little nine-month-old is breathing and his, 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 his diaphragm here and his, his, his lungs and, and his, his, like, his, his abdomen was sucking up underneath his rib cage. Oh, baby, give him, a two, give him two days and then when he gets better, we'll t- no, he, he doesn't make it two days. Hear me, you can't make it a minute. So maybe for the first time this morning what you've needed to hear is this, is that you're loved and what you've got to do is not go fix yourself up, not go try harder, not go do better, not just uh, something like that. No, no, no. No, you just submit and surrender and give up. Remember you're the bum on the street. As all of us that's come to know Jesus Christ and Lord and Savior has been there. See, see, that's what should move us all the more in compassion toward the lost. That's what should stir us all the more. Why? Because we've been there. We've done that. That's how Jesus saved us. That's the great news about the cross is that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. It's not for the elite or the best of the best or somebody that's got something to offer because none of us have anything to offer. And so maybe for the first time you needed to hear that. And so what do you do? You believe. You submit to. You understand that you can't. And you give up. And give in to Jesus. And by faith enter into a relationship where you acknowledge that you can't. And then the last thing is it's the world. The world. That's where God lavishes that love. That's where God shows that love. The world. The lost men and women of this world, which for those of us in this room that know Jesus as Lord and Savior, that's exactly where he rescued us out of is the world. And, and, and it could have been many different ways how he did that, how he accomplished that, through, through, through a church maybe, or through a neighbor, or through a, a grandma, or through a, a kid. I love how God will just rescue and redeem people through their children and just draw attention to their great need of him through their kids. I mean, there's just so, so many ways that God shows his love to the world, to us. And so what I want to say is this, since God loves the world, what he's called us to do is to do the same thing, is to extend that same love and mercy and grace to the world. To show the world love. Now, now hear me, when I say that, that doesn't mean that we just turn a blind eye to things. That doesn't mean that we just uh, let whatever happened happen and whatever goes, anything goes. No, 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 no. That's, that's not love. I don't let my kids play out on the interstate, in the road, in the middle of the day. That's not love. But, Daddy, I want to. No. Why? Because I love you. Oh, you're mean. Yeah, you're dang right. Sometimes love is mean. Or it would appear to on the outside. That's not, the real love is going to step in, going to speak truth, going to be committed. Remember what I said about that love? That love is a love that is committed to. 
I'm going to love you regardless of what you think, regardless of what you say. I'm going to continue to pursue. And we're going to be crazy about it. If they don't want you, if they don't want, okay, fine. But that could be a text from every once in a while. That could be a conversation. That could be a, hey, I just wanted to bring you some food. Hey, would you just come over and eat? Well, now you're going to talk about that. I'm not going to talk about Jesus. I'm going to talk about Jesus with you. You don't talk about We don't have to talk about Jesus. We can talk about anything else you want. I just, I just want you in my house and love on you. I want to feed you, see how your week's been, how your kids are doing. I mean, there's numbers of ways that we do that. But we've been called as ministers of reconciliation to do what? To make people know about Jesus. To share the love of Christ with this world. That's what he's called us to. I, I want to show you, show you a video. We, we made mention a second ago of something that we're doing next weekend. I just, I just I mean, this, this was so beautiful how God set this up last week. If you just watch the screen for just a second. This is one of the ways we're going to do it this week, church. So my name is Peggy Sperlin, and I'm a member here at New Life. And um, I uh, was mentioning to Scott, he had talked about the block party um, that's coming up. <clears throat> and I thought, well, I need to mention to him that that's exactly what God used to bring me and my family into his family. And um, so Amberly was not quite two, and we were living in an apartment in Easley. And a church there is a small church. They were just meeting in a like a gym area at the local elementary school. And they decided to do a big block party with the bounce houses and a, a live band and um, hot dogs and stuff like that. It was all free, you just come and, and enjoy the day. And um, I honestly didn't want to go, but Amberly uh, had to go because there were bounce houses. And so we went and um, everybody was so nice and they were talking to us and they, they handed out little, um, magnets for the church it's called mosaic community fellowship and um i was like okay this is cool whatever and so you know had to put the the magnet on the refrigerator and just seeing that every day um after the block party i i guess i just kind of god was pressing my heart that i needed to go and um i was like fine i'll go but you know, I'm, I'm going to go by myself. I'm not going to take Amberly the first time because I don't know these people. You know, maybe they're weird. But um, so uh, I finally was like the Sunday, Amberly's with her dad. So I was like, okay, I'll go. I'll go. Fine. I, I'll go. And I waited to the absolute last minute to get ready. And looking at the clock, as close as I was to this elementary school, there was no way I was going to get there on time. Um, and so I was like, I'll go. But if I'm late, I'm not going in. And I was like, fine. So I got ready, and it was almost like, looking back, like God just stood time still because I got there early. I'm never early anywhere. You can ask anybody and everybody. I'm always late. Um, and I was there early, and I thought, good gravies. Okay, I'm going in, but I'm not talking to anybody. I'm going to sit to the side. Nobody's going to talk to me anyway. That's how it always happens when I go to church. So I, I'm not talking to anybody. And so I went in, and daggone it, every single person who walked in the door spoke to me and welcomed me, and there's just like this incredible love and peace there. And that was just kind of the start of my life in, in God's family. Um, I was baptized there. Amberly was later baptized um, at Mosaic. And when we moved to Bowling Springs, um, we spent a couple of years looking for a church, and um and then we found new life, and we came to new life and kind of had that same peace and love feeling, I guess, and family, like you walked in the door and you just felt like you were with family. 
Um, but I just thought it was really neat that that Scott mentioned um, doing the block party because that's exactly what God did um, to bring me home. So I thought that was really cool and wanted to share that. Easy. Bounce them right to Jesus. Uh, that's our prayer. That's our prayer next weekend. Bounce them right to Jesus. Sugar them up real good. Fill their stomachs. And you know if they don't come the next week to church, who cares? That's fine. We, we got to meet some neighbors. We, we got to say hey to some people. We got to feed some kids, watch them bounce, get sugared up. And it may take a couple weeks like that. And, and, and don't know how you talk to God and you're like, okay, well, if we're late or if we're there, God, I'm not going to And walk through the door and we'll get loved on. Walk through the door and get loved on. I mean, that, that should be us, church. That's our heart. That's who we are. That's what we're to extend and be. So as the band comes back up, that's what we want to do next Saturday. We're going to meet here in the parking lot about 4.15, and then we'll go over. And it's going to be the first cul-de-sac down here at the end. Yeah, we're going to have a block party. We're going to have hot dogs. We're going to have snow cones. We're going to I mean, just, just have a time with the sole purpose of getting to know. And you know what? We may not have not one conversation as it regards to Jesus, and that's quite all right. Because I, I don't want them to think that we're coming in with an ulterior motive. I mean, we know what we want to accomplish and do. We want to share Jesus with them, and the hope is that the lost would be saved, and the hope is that we can reach this community and minister to them and love on them and do life with them, and, and that they would become a part of the family. But if they don't come to our church, that's fine. If they don't land here, that's cool. We'll help them find one. Because it's not about New Life Baptist Fellowship. It's about the church. It's about salvation. It's about a relationship with Jesus, and we want to do everything that we can to be faithful to what God's called us to do, and that share of this great love that he's extending to us as we've talked about here this morning. So next Saturday, I know Summer will be out there. Summer, everybody raise your hand, Summer. Back here, Summer. Summer's going to be out there in the lobby, and she's got a sign-up list. And if you're available, I know we've got some guys cooking hot dogs. We're just going to have a good time next Saturday over in that cul-de-sac and trying to meet. And I, and I want us to park here so we can go over, so we don't just flood that cul-de-sac with cars. We can just take a few. We can drive the bus over and come back. Shuttle, do that way. But we just want to reach our community. We, we, they've been there for over two years. Anybody in here from that neighborhood? All right, we got work to do. Let's just acknowledge where we're at and let's do something about it. Imagine what God can do through a bounce house. Brought a family to know Jesus. Kids that were baptized. Church, that's just one way that we can show love. Today when you leave, same thing. How can you do that? We don't have to wait for the church to set up stuff to show the love and extend the, extend the grace and mercy of Jesus. At your work this week. You can do that. You can take somebody out to lunch. You can write a little note. Hey, praying for you, thinking about you. Just put it, put it on their desk. I mean, there's numbers of things that you can do to extend the love of Jesus. And so my heart and my hope is that God would stir us. So what has he stirred in your heart? I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know what he's spoken to you or said to you. But God so loved the world. Father, thank you for that love. Thank you for that grace. Thank you for the hope that you extend in that. Father, I pray that you bless next weekend. God, I pray that we get more stories of what we just heard as a result of that. That's what we're praying for, God. We just want to be faithful. We know that you add and that you'll do and you'll accomplish, Father. But we, we just want to be faithful in reaching out and extending a hand of grace and love and mercy. And God, the way we're going to do that is fill the belly first. Let kids bounce and have a great time. So, Father, we pray, Jesus, that you would do work. God, even in this place this morning, as you've spoken to hearts, Maybe for the first time someone has, has heard what it really means to be loved. They've been loved by you, the creator, sustainer of the universe. So God, I pray if that's the case this morning, that there's one here that don't know you as Lord and Savior, that this morning would be the morning that they experience and walk into that love through faith. 
So God, do a work. I pray that you would do a work. Help us be bold and help us tell. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.